The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show. My guest today is Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Mac, how are you? Oh, doing well, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for making the drive over. It is always good to have people who create your perspective bring forward advocacy issues that work in public service, work around public service, have to work with any number of elected officials. I would guess sometimes even across the aisle. Of course. If I look at right-leaning groups in the state of Georgia, I have to feel like you guys are one of the most social conservative organizations that advocates today. Well, appreciate that. And we certainly don't shy away from the social social issues. We, uh, we focus on those. We're wholeheartedly pro-life, but uh, we recognize that the state of Georgia, there's a lot going on in the state, and there are different issues that we uh, focus on too. Criminal justice reform, making sure that the business environment is solid, and because we believe that a strong family is a strong Georgia, and people having jobs, people being able to take care of themselves, people being able to come out of the criminal justice system uh, and find a, find a job uh, is better for the state. Mac, where did you go to school and how did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Conyers, Georgia, which is on the east side of Atlanta, out I-20 a little bit. I grew up in Gwinnett. It's not far. <laughs> so that's great. That's great. And uh, a shorter university in northwest Georgia in Rome uh, said that I could join the football team. I wasn't very good, but they said I could walk on. And so I, I played a couple seasons uh, there. I redshirted my freshman year, then had some back surgery and some health issues my sophomore year. So had to uh, hang up the football cleats. But it was disappointing because I had my identity wrapped up in being a, this you know big beefy football player. I was about fifty to seventy five pounds heavier. I was an offensive lineman, but after after the, God closed the door on that, He opened the doors to so many other things. Which uh, I, as an end result, I met my wife, uh, have the job that I have, and God is good. When you get out of school, what are the questions that you're asking yourself? And I ask this for two reasons. You got a lot of young people who listen to my show, and they wonder how can you get into public service without being somebody that is a quote-unquote elected official, and you clearly are not, and I clearly am not anymore, mercifully. How do you evaluate what you want to do and where you feel like your life is headed? Well, first of all, public service, and particularly being an elected official, I truly believe it has to be a calling. If you're not in it for the right reasons, it's going to eat you up because you see – what what I saw from the outside, you know, in in college and high school was I just saw what what what's on TV and and the interviews and the going to events. I didn't actually see the daily grind of what it takes to get elected to a state rep to a, st- a state representative position or or much less Congress. And uh, while I was in college, I, I interned in the governor's office and I also helped out on a congressional campaign, an ultimately successful congressional campaign. But I saw the behind the scenes, how much work goes into it and the meaning behind it. And it, it kind of opened my eyes. And, and I realized that it's really, it's really got to be a calling. 
But there are other opportunities. If you're if you're a young person that's thinking about getting into public service, I would just say just just jump in. And what I mean by that is right now we're in the presidential cycle. There are tons of presidential campaigns. They're always looking for volunteers. They're always looking for interns. They're always looking for door knockers and, and, and getting your foot in the door that way. Getting that experience is, is what I did uh, at, at the congressional level. But there's always campaigns in Georgia that are looking for help. And then that, that can let you know if that's something you're interested in or open up other avenues to if, if whoever the candidate you're working with is successful, there's opportunities there. And there's other organizations like mine and, and different advocacy organizations that focus on different issues that might be interested in using your skill set. You said you interned in the governor's office. Which governor was it? It was Governor Nathan Deal, and I was in the governor's office of highway safety. Mac, you were a very involved guy with the General Assembly. And when you watch TV in 2023, almost everything they pick, the, the national media will pick and choose states and issues that it wants to cover. But by and large, they leave the state of Georgia and 98% of its issues alone. And I don't know that that is what is the, the perspective that I always tell people is that if you want to make a difference and you want to be involved and you want to actually see positive things happen to your community, the closest way to do that are the elected officials who are closest to you. The, the priorities of Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, it's almost inverse to what the reality of the situation is. Because you can get so much more done or the ideas or access to your state house or your state senator than you ever will. I have a wonderful relationship with Congressman Rich McCormick. He is a friend of mine. But I'm kind of the exception. There's not a lot of people who just, like, can call him on a Tuesday and be like, you want to have lunch? If you spend your time with your city councils and your county commissions and your state house and senate, you can actually help them drive ideology forward. And, and I know that you guys have a huge umbrella to what you do from a national perspective and in the state of Georgia. But talk about the differences in the things that you're behind today that you've seen tangibly move. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And one thing about Congressman Rich McCormick, uh, he, he's a good friend of mine as well. And I was at a meeting with him last week, and there was about 150 people all from all stripes in this room. And you know what he did? He gave out his cell phone number to 150 people in that room. So that shows his accessibility. Now I know, I mean, he might not be able to respond to every message. He's got about 750,000 people in his, in the sixth congressional district. And, but it just shows his level of engagement. And he's a, he's a wonderful individual. Uh, like I said, a friend of mine, friend of yours, and, and he does a great job in Congress representing his uh, constituents, but you're exactly right. I mean, that's the way the founders intended it. They intended the government closest to the people to be the most accountable and your school board, can affect your bottom line, your tax dollars, a lot more than the federal government can. Sometimes. Uh, with, with property tax. And I know uh, my uh, my wife and I just put in our appeal of our property tax because it went up just a, giz- a gazillion percent. Uh, it was unbelievable. But that's that's what we see. You see exactly what you, you served on the city council. So you have city council, school board, and the state legislature that impact your life on a daily basis way more than the federal government does. You hope. But, but – but the federal government gets the majority, the lion's share of the headlines. So talk about some of the issues with the Faith and Freedom Coalition today that you guys are front and center on. This last legislative session, our number one issue was expanding school choice, uh, making sure that kids in failing schools had the opportunity 
to go to a school that isn't failing to, to be, for their parents to be able to direct their education. And ultimately, that bill fell short by six votes in the House. It passed the Senate with unanimous Republican support, but fell six votes short in the in this in the House. And coming out of that, we saw Representative Misha Maynard, who is a Democrat. Uh, she switched parties primarily because of that issue, primarily because of the ostracization that she received from the Democratic Party over that one issue and letting parents parents engage. Uh, we also uh, were supportive of legislation that would ban COVID vaccine passports so that people don't have to worry about the government requiring a COVID vaccination. And another issue, I mentioned criminal justice reform. We had an occupational licensing bill. The occupational licensing process is, is, is broken. So if somebody wanted to be a uh, let's say a barber, you have to get an occupational license for that. But if they had a petty theft conviction, the board might be able to prevent them from getting that occupational license. So what this bill simply did is it says if you've served your time, come out of the criminal justice system, if it's in an unrelated matter, so we're not talking about somebody being a financial advisor, you know, that who's was convicted running of a fraud pon- or something running like a that. Ponzi talking scheme. about, you know, somebody in an unrelated matter, you should be able to receive that occupational license so you can provide for your family. Uh, that that bill also it passed the Senate, which not many things do with unanimous support from both sides of the aisle. Uh, it, it didn't get a vote in the House, but we're going to continue working on that uh, this next legislative session. And there was, of course, the tax refund. Uh, there was some there's some pro life legislation that we can get into that was uh, expanding TANF benefits, temporary assistance for needy families that Governor Kemp signed. That was authored by Representative Sue Hong, and that that's a pro life piece of legislation that allows uh, women who find themselves who find themselves pregnant if they if they qualify for those benefits instead of them being applied at birth it lets them be applied at conception which matches what the heartbeat bill is essentially and it's a government it's a government assistance but it just recognizes that life begins it doesn't expand the it still keeps the same timeline i think it's about 4 years that you can use these tanf benefits for but it just moves the start date back to recognize that when you're a mom it begins when you're uh, when when the, when you get pregnant at conception, yeah. As you look, school choice is something all around the country. I am not against the concept of school choice. If that's what everybody wants to be after, it needs to be done correctly. What I am against is that there are several counties in the state of Georgia who subsidize the rest. Their donor systems. Fulton is one. Cobb is one. Gwinnett. Used to be, I'm not sure, Cherokee's one, Forsyth is one. And five mils of their property taxes for education go to subsidize the rest of the state of Georgia, which on its face is socialism. And I think that if they can address that, I think that they will find the six votes. Because if I live somewhere that's really nice and I bought my house in a really nice part of town with really, really good schools, that was a decision and a sacrifice that I made based on my values when you separate that and allow and, and allow anybody to go from failing schools, and I'm not talking about private school. So if the tax credit is $6,500 and you want to send your kids to private school, I'm good. I don't care. But the failing schools, when you take kids out of environments that are failing, oftentimes it is not necessarily something that, in my opinion, can be legislated, like having a single-parent household or having only one involved parent. And it takes those bad schools – for the people who can bus or hardship them, and they can anyway, to a school that is not at full capacity, it takes the bad schools and it makes them worse. 
I think you're actually going to exacerbate a problem. I, I would actually disagree with you on that because when you actually look at per, so per, does Cole Museum. Uh, for, for, when you look <laughs> at when you look at uh, per pupil spending. So if some if if somebody if this doesn't the the this specific bill that we worked on it doesn't affect the state it doesn't affect the local the local school tax that still stays in the system. It's static. So so on a per pupil basis, if somebody takes that sixty five hundred dollars of state funding, which is below the QVE below the QVE number. The per pupil spend actually goes up, so they're able to spend more money per student in those school systems. So, in theory, you have one less person you have to educate, and your funding goes up because you don't have to you don't have to have the expense of educating that person and have the additional body. So, the class size goes down, and their spending goes up. So, it has the potential to make those failing schools improve. I hope that you are right because I Me think too. I, because I think it will. It's not even that I'm on the other side of an issue. I'm not the guy who, when something happens, I root against because that's not healthy and it's not a best practice. If you look at law enforcement, educators, for sure, that number can go down. But when you look at some of the hard costs, maintenance, facilities, public safety, those costs are the cost. You either need a cop or you don't. And 10 less students doesn't mean that you don't need a police officer or that the bathrooms don't need to be cleaned or some of the hard fixed costs don't change. Nothing is perfect. Like I said, I'm not somebody who roots against it. I just don't want to see the places that people have gone out of their way and worked hard and chosen to invest their dollars and live in those communities for a specific socioeconomic reason be damaged by people who want to be bust in whose families may not have the same values. And you're never going to legislate equity or fairness, all the all the fancy DEI awards that they love to use that I don't mind using against them. I hope I hope you're right when it passes that it's the best bill it can be. I'm just not sure I'm where I could sit there and support such a measure today. Another thing that I want to talk to you about is criminal justice reform, which I think is something that very few people can fundamentally disagree with. When people say America is the freest country on the face of the earth, we have one of the highest incarceration rates in the entire world among first world nations. What are you guys looking at advocating for there? And how do you and how do you see meaningful change happening? Well, I mentioned our occupational licensing bill earlier that we worked on here at the state level. At the federal level, uh, we're starting to see the rewards of the First Step Act that was uh, it, that happened under the Trump administration with uh, Doug Collins and Tim Scott. And and it's interesting, you know, I, I was at, we had our national. Our national conference a few weeks ago at the end of June, we had all 12 presidential candidates there, President Trump, Governor DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. Everybody was there. Uh, and, and one of the sessions was it was Doug Collins and a San Francisco alderman, uh, a female San Francisco alderman. Probably don't have a lot in common. They don't have a lot in common, but they both worked night and day on the First Step Act. You had Van Jones, who of CNN fame or infamy, depending on how you look at it. There's uh, no question the guy's intelligent. Yeah, that's right. And, and he was willing to engage on that issue because we, 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 we live in a red versus blue society, but there's some things that just need to get done so that people can have an opportunity. And I was talking with somebody who uh, lives in South Fulton and uh, and during the Trump administration, black unemployment was at the lowest that it has ever been in our nation. And so criminal justice reform is something that I, I truly believe everyone should get behind, whether you're coming from the, the left-leaning side of things or from, from – we, we are conservative. We're, we're unabashedly conservative. But these are conservative solutions because it gets government out of the way. 
It's not a government solution. It's not a government program. It's allowing people to re-enter the private sector uh, for the First Step Act and also the occupational licensing uh, here at the state that lets them have a job because them having a job, them contributing to the economy is going to be the best thing for our state and nation. Well, and not locking up nonviolent criminals for the rest of their lives over an ounce of marijuana. That's correct. Seems like a foolish use of my money. That's right. The Georgia Faith and Freedom Coalition is hosting their annual victory dinner on September 11th. Talk about what the goals are that night and who's going to be in attendance and what you guys hope to accomplish. Well, obviously, September 11th is a, it's a date that everybody remembers where they were when that happened. We, we want to recognize that. We want to honor those that, that served. We want to honor our military, our first responders. We've got the former Atlanta Fire Chief Kelvin Cochran is going to be one of our speakers and two of our veteran members of Congress, uh, Rich McCormick, who we've already talked about, and Congressman Barry Loudermilk. Rich McCormick is a Marine veteran. Congressman Loudermilk was an Air Force veteran, and we ad- we additionally we've invited the presidential candidates. Uh, Perry Johnson, who's a businessman running for president from Michigan, has uh, confirmed to join us, and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who interestingly, right after the Homeland Security Department was uh, instituted as as a cabinet position, he served as the first undersecretary for terrorism and this was in the 2003 time frame so right as we were facing some of the most critical uh, decisions he, he served in that role so they're going to give us tremendous insight on the national security uh, status and what's going on there but this is this is a, a reminder of what we're working for we're working to continue to build a nation that is free safe and full of opportunity and and we're going to be celebrating freedom because that's what it's all about when you look and you talk about 2024 and you you can sit there and say, look, we're not going to take a position in a primary, and I wouldn't blame you for doing that. But when you look at with the people that you talk to and the, and the candidates that are running for president that interact with you guys, what are the main issues that you hear that maybe people are not seeing on television all the time? Well, you all, all you hear on it, it, all you hear right now on television is indictment watch. You know what? Oh, what's, it's horrible. What's what's going to be happening? You got you got cameras, you know, staked out in parking lots, hoping to see black SUVs roll up, and all, all sorts of things. And that's that's not what the people are focused on. People they see the gas prices, they see what's happening uh, at the border, they see so many other issues that, like you said, they're they're not getting the time of day. Uh, and I, I think that's unfortunate, and I think it's a disservice to our nation. As you you guys have formed over time a very cozy relationship with former President Trump, mainly because I imagine he was in the White House and you didn't have any choice. Uh, But what did you see of his time in office that you really had a lot of respect for besides the First Step Act that we just talked about where we that didn't get the national attention that it necessarily deserved? That's not to say it didn't get any. But what what about his time in office did, did you guys really have the ability to get behind, and are you kind of secretly pushing for him today? Well, we're not secretly, but we're pushing for everybody. We just want our values to be advanced. And, and something that happened in the Trump administration that, for, for because it was President Trump that should have gotten much more attention, and if it was any other president, probably would have gotten three Nobel Peace Prizes, but peace in the Middle East. The first peace deal since the 1990s in the Middle East with between Bahrain, uh, Israel, Bahrain, the UAE, Morocco, and Sudan, which is just unbelievable. That that since since the peace deal with Jordan in the 1990s, I worked in international relations and on a, on, a, on the pro-Israel basis before I came into this position, and so that's a deal that's near. That is a uh, issue that's near and dear to my heart. But 
even more than it being important to me, it's important to our nation because Israel's our own, the only democracy in the Middle East and the, our closest ally in the Middle East. And so seeing some of the, the positive results from there, getting out of the Iran nuclear deal, recognizing Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, and maybe most importantly, recognizing Israel's capital as Jerusalem, which since the 1990s, Congress passed a law saying that Congress recognizes it as Israel's uh capital, but every president has signed a waiver saying, well, we're not going to move the embassy. We're not going to move the embassy since the 1990s until... Because it was in Tel Aviv. It was in Tel Aviv. uh, And then under President Trump, he recognized what the facts were. And all the prognosticators, they said, oh, this is going to cause, you know, World War III. Everything with President Trump was going to cause World War III. But we actually had peace in the Middle East. And when he moved the embassy, there was no... there was. No response. No response from uh, other countries in the Middle East. No even really response from the Palestinian side of things because they just recognize the reality on the ground. That's where the Knesset is. That's where Israel's capital is. And it's just a reflection of reality. And so I was very proud of the Trump administration for all that he did for Israel. As you look beyond, one of the last thing I really want to get to is you, you guys are a conservative, a conservative's conservative organization. And I don't say that in any other way than to say that is exactly who you guys are and you don't hide from it. Abortion and abortion restrictions in this country, if you look at it, it's one thing to say I'm in favor of the heartbeat bill or all the heartbeat bills around the country that you're starting to see after the Supreme Court threw out Roe versus Wade. Is your primary objective moving forward to continue to advocate on the stance of abortion to keep it that way from a federal judges and justices perspective, an education perspective? And do you ever feel like you guys just caught the car and weren't ready for the backlash? Well, I think I think many people were of that opinion. And, and there were a lot of people that said, well, this is doom and gloom for the Republican Party. They'll never win a national election again. Uh, and if you look at the heartbeat bill here in Georgia, I think last year a study came out that it saved between 20 and 22,000, 22, 20 and 22, between 20 and 22,000 lives just last year alone. And for, for comparison's sake, that's about the city of Ackworth. I live in Cartersville. That's about the population of the city of Cartersville. And those are real people. Those are people that have the chance at life because of courageous leadership like Governor Kemp and my good friend, uh, now State Senator Ed Setzler, who who led the charge on that that piece of legislation. And you're seeing, like you said, you're seeing that across the state. And so our, our contention is to save lives. But beyond that, as, as well as we are pro-life. We're not just pro-birth. We are people that recognize that there need to be solutions for the people that find themselves that would be considering that that painful choice of abortion. They need to be able to have the resources from their community, from their churches. My wife works at our uh, volunteers at our local women's resource center. I mentioned the TANF benefit bill, the temporary assistance for needy families that backdates it so that when somebody becomes pregnant, they can get those benefits, recognizing that when life begins, when you're going to actually have these issues. So I think moving forward, we're going to continue to advocate to save lives uh, in a pro-Israel fashion, but we're also going to uh, make sure that people receive the the, the resources that they need, not maybe not from the government, because the government, when they get involved in something, you look at the VA at the yeah, national level, they great. mess it up. Uh, so we're, we're excited. We're excited where the movement is, and we, we think it's a winning issue. Looking forward, if there was an issue that you wanted to bring to the table that you guys don't advocate for today, or something that you guys are talking about doing as a body, what is it? 
Well, we have a number of things uh, that we're currently working on, and I, I think right now school choice uh, is, is is our number one issue. And, and I know we've already talked about that a little bit at length, but getting that done for the state, we've seen it all across the nation and in several other states, but that gives students and parents an opportunity to choose that might not otherwise have that opportunity. And so that, that's for the next legislative session, that'll be our top issue again. That's Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. It's been another episode of the Ben Burnett Show. Have a great day, everybody. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.